This is the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson. Hello, while we're there, I'm Kate Stevenson and you've made it to another episode of the Relish Podcast, a celebration of all those things we love to eat, drink, see and do. Coming up, if you're like me, you're equal parts pumped and a little terrified when you hear that a local pub is getting a refresh. That was the case when I heard the gorgeous Art Deco Central Club Hotel in North Melbourne had had a big refurb. If only I'd have chatted to publican Vinnie McGrath first, I'd never have worried. That passionate bloke has gone over and above to make sure his pub still feels like a fabulous city boozer and he's reused as much of the original materials as he could in the meantime. He'll explain a little bit more. Also, another year, another Melbourne Whiskey Week and this one has been full of great events and great stories. One that piqued my attention was that of regional Victorian producer Tim Boone Distillery. I'll have a chat to Josh Walker about how he came to make award-winning whiskey and what he's feeding his cows. And in Eat, Drink, Do Melbourne, well, Victoria by Farmer's Daughters and Four Pillars are launching their spring sessions, the ESPY's Great Value Dumpling Degustation, Mopo's Convoy Cafe celebrates a year of feeding and watering locals there, Nicker Whiskey and Botswana Butchery are teaming up for a night of Wagyu Wonder, and St Kilda's Little Prince has launched the ultimate wine boot camp. All that is coming up on the Relish Podcast, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's Easy Music 3MP. Easy Music 3MP plays all your favourite songs to help you relax. Songs you grew up with. Songs you know. Songs in love. That's why I tell you. You better be home soon. Relax with us. Melbourne's Easy Music 3MP. Well, it could just be me, but I reckon when we hear that a classic Melbourne pub is being renovated, it is equal parts exciting and terrifying. Will it lose its charm or its history? How much will change? So when I heard that the stunning Art Deco Central Club Hotel in North Melbourne had had a pretty major refurb, I did head in with a little trepidation. The good news is it is still a brilliant inner city boozer. It's just a little more stylish with a great pub food menu and a superb drinks list. Here to explain just how they managed it is publican Vincent McGrath. Vinny, welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you. Yeah, Vincent, it's usually Vincent when I'm in trouble. I was going to say, I'm sorry I can't. Having had a chat to you, you are definitely a Vinny. Now, is it fair to say that some people might have been a bit worried about how much would change for such a classic Melbourne pub? How did you guys approach the Renault? Yeah, certainly. And I think there there has been, a, you know, there, there have been a number of other pubs, corner pubs like ours that, you know, once they're bought um, and developed, they lose the hospitality element to it. Um, and that that was a fear in the area. I know there was a bit of press coverage about that when the building was sold in 2017 as well. Um, and there was this fear that, you know, an, another quote unquote, another Melbourne pub was lost. And um, so we wanted to make sure that whatever was happening above us, which has we've gone seven stories above, we wanted to make sure that we kept that and not only kept a pub, but kept a pub that we know has been here for so long. And we wanted to make sure that we kept whatever history we could, you know, intact and pay a bit of respect to what's happened in the in the building prior to us because we know you know 
it's a brand new and shiny building, but there's heaps of history. If these walls could talk, yeah. I tell you what, there's been, um, yeah, there's been so much to and fro in here. So, which yeah, we wanted to make sure we still maintained a corner pub. Yeah. We want to put our own stamp on it. Um, I believe that the sort of pub scene has changed now and it's very food focused. So that was one thing that really drove us to, to consider the menu the way we did. Um, but at the end of the day, we're a corner pub across from Queen Vic Market. We want to do things right. Um, we've got a great hospital team in that I believe know how to do things right. And that's, that's, that's our offer. We're here. We're a corner pub doing things well. And it's interesting you say that, Vinny, because, you know, pubs are a lot about food now as much as probably just going for a drink, but somehow we still don't want to walk into a pub that feels like a restaurant, not a pub. So is yeah. that important for you? Because you guys have, you know, some gorgeous sort of corners and nooks and places for people to sit and dine, but was the idea that people step in and it feels like a pub? Yeah, indeed. And there, there was a lot of consideration when it came to designing it that we would still have those three separate kind of spaces that you would expect in a in a, a traditional pub when we took on the building there were those three divine spaces there was the the public bar which had the um pool table in there that's where the drinking went on there was a tab in there as well there was a middle lounge um which you know was more casual uh, no tab high tables in there and then at the back is where the formal bistro was you know and we still have people coming in here asking where the bistro is so when we when we started to design it even though we knew it would be open plan we wanted to keep those three sections so when you walk in we hope that without any signposts we sort of wanted the drinkers to go one way casual diners to go one way and then you might see behind me here we set what we call the bistro dining area we set that for more you know more sort of formal dining longer lunches now, that formal dining has sort of spilled a bit further in this way a bit, but we're still trying to keep the high tops, which you can see one behind me here. Yeah. We're trying to keep that for the pub, you know, for for Parma's. No matter what we've done with the menu, we've got like 12 weeks of stats now and data, and it's not surprising that our number one selling item is the chicken parma. I was, you know, I was got... getting there, Vinny. I was wondering because it is, <laughs> it is an unusual menu. Just before we go to food... Yeah. In terms of the building itself, it wasn't all about the look for you guys, was it? You made some really thoughtful decisions when it came to sustainability. Yeah, indeed. Now we did. We we're working. We were working with um, architects and another company called Revival, who are um, a crowd base out of Collingwood. They're right next to Stomping Ground, actually, to put a reference point that people might know. <laughs> um, they came in at the time of demolition in conjunction with our architects, Bailey Ward, had a look at the site and identified any material that they thought we might be able to use again. Yeah. There was no commitment. And this is their, this is a huge part of their business model. There's no commitment at that time. They'll come in and take it away. And they, they use the term custodians. So they become the custodians of it until we, we find out a way to reuse it. There's no commitment. They come in along the way, which they did. And then they kind of gave us advice as to where we might be able to use it. And you'll see the, in fact, all the joinery you can see behind me here is all, has all been reclaimed and repurposed from the original building, which is amazing. amazing. To think how much of this could have just gone to, uh, to landfill. And that's what happens. So Revival go into lots of sites, bigger than this even, in the city. They'll take out as much as they can. So you'll see the different colours behind me here in this tabletop here. Yeah. That's all the same wood, but just a, a result of how it's aged over 110, 120 years. So all of our tabletops, our leaners here, are all 110-year-old Oregon. And we've got Jarrah that's been reclaimed from the beer the beer chute that all the kegs went down over the last 
God knows how many years. So it, we've made beautiful. our charcuterie boards and our cheese like boards. It, it, it looks, you know, it, it, it looks beautiful. And then you get that sense of, of history as well, just knowing that it's there and that is part of that original building. We should chat about the menu. Um, and obviously there's a chicken palmer on it. You did you did mention that spoiler alert. What what yeah. was the plan? Because it's not it's not all pub classics, is it? It's not. Um, to be honest, I mean, the, the plan started two years ago when we first started to design the, the pub. We had to design the menu around it because you do have to consider at that point what your kitchen is going to look like, you know, and what needs to be in there in terms of equipment and layout. Um, and I I know I've, I think Polar has been going on a two-year-long pub crawl, but I did spend a lot of time just, you know, crawling through all these different menus, seeing what's on offer and seeing the trends. Yeah that are on offer and can work without crowding a menu too much. I've been to plenty of places and you think, how are they doing this? There's no chance. And then, but then you go to another place that might have a menu just the same size, but they've engineered it so well that you can see, well, with a, a trained eye, you can see exactly how they can have so many items there and A, not be wasting mm. and not be, you know, not having things on for the sake of it. So we we designed it around what I thought could work in the space, what I thought consumers wanted. People go to the pub, they want a Parma. That's it, or, or schnitzel. And then what can what could we do that didn't take away from that and added to it and that others were doing that was working? Yeah. One of the things we, I, I thought, you know, to, to be able to sort of, put up some good specials in particular and have some fun with them, we put a pasta a pasta cooker in and a pasta machine in because I think you can do a lot with that and you can maintain a very good program of not wasting anything by continuing having specials. And that's one thing that, you know, that, that was just one consideration we had to make two years out because we had to make sure the kitchen was, was able to handle that. And then steaks. I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of pubs are now doing good steaks, you know, and I think that... Um, there are occasions where there's a different menu in the front bar to the back bar that was definitely, or to the bistro area, that was definitely a consideration for us, but we're not huge. It's not a big space. And I have also seen other venues that have started with that approach, but then, you know, who's, who's to say that somebody wants to sit on a high top on their own and watch the footy can't have it. And and I fill it, you know, so that's, that's the approach we took there as well. So what was very encouraging for me was on the first day, you know, because I did, and again, I, you know, this it's a big thing. Menu, you've got one crack with a lot of consumers, yes. and the menu is usually the first thing that they will give you that chance on. And if it's not right, you might lose a certain, you know, you might lose people. Anyhow, on the very first day that we opened, we sold one of every single menu item. You which serious? To me was sick. Job done. Great. We've done it. Oh, so, phenomenal. And, and, it's kept, and it's 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 kept like that since. We haven't had to. There, I mean, I, I'm very much. I very much keep an eye on all the stats, and I love that. And the, you know, we're 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 in a world now where you can. It's very easy for your POS system to tell you exactly what your consumers are doing, and I love that. And there's nothing that's dropped behind enough for us to go right. That's not working yet. You and know, we need funny, to get rid of that or change it. We're a bit fickle too, aren't we, Vinny? Because I think about you know the local pubs that I love to go to. And there's those dishes that you want to always be there because you love them. But for me, those specials are important too because, you know, you kind of go, but maybe I want something different this time. And and that's hard if you get really used to a menu. So it's great to know that, you know, you guys really play around with those specials. Now, we can't talk about the experience at this pub without talking about the drinks list and in particular your passion for wine. How fun has it been for you to put that wine list together and and sort of how did you approach it? That's the part that I, I, I lost less sleep over because I had a really, I had a very defined idea of what I wanted to do. And we had the, we've had the benefit of being able to work with suppliers that we knew straight away. You know, we, we've been working, I was just saying to you earlier, 
throughout COVID, we did a lot of wine tastings like this online on Zoom. I've got some bottles beside me here. It feels very familiar. We knew straight away the kind of producer we wanted to work with. We wanted to work with smaller independent Aussies. We knew straight away that the that the list was going to be Aussie yeah. in terms of wine. And we've carried that into our beer list, apart from Guinness, and into <laughs> our um our spirits up here as well. So that that was the easy one. I mean, I, I I've you know, I've I've been in the wine industry for 15 years now, longer, 20 years. There are amazing wines all over the world, but there's absolutely no reason to go anywhere but Australia, to, mm. to, in in my mind. Unless you're going down a niche route of offering Italian food or French food or South American food, that's fine. I get it. We're an Aussie pub serving Aussie pub classics and Aussie steaks. There's absolutely no reason to be selling Burgundy. You know, it just doesn't. There are some single size Pinot Noirs here that I would 100% drink over top class Burgundy any day of the week. So that was easy for me and then it was honing in on the producers that we really wanted to work with and we worked with in the past so we want to have we've one or two names that people will will recognize when it comes to the higher end of sort mm. of the price points but around the middle price point and our pouring wines people people might necessarily know these names but the names that we've grown to know we know them personally we know their winery dog we know that one of the winemakers does absolutely everything and he comes in and delivers and he chases chases the payment you know he's yeah. he's a one-man band um, we have a guy who's got a, a cellar door up the road, Matthew um, uh, East, who's just up the road, um, who produces ruler wines. He's got a, a cellar door in North Melbourne. So that was an obvious inclusion for us. He's also got a style of wine that we, we wanted to pour, you know, different varieties that people aren't always picking up themselves. He's got a Pinot Marnier by the glass, you know, which on, on the list here. Which, which I cool. tasted when I was there and was stupendous. And it's interesting you say that. Vinny as well. Like I, I think pub drinkers are changing too. How much do you yeah. find you're talking to people about that wine list? Because what I noticed, you know, you clearly know and love your wine. I think the other people who were there on the day, you know, knew what they were serving us. Do you find you're having yeah. better discussions with with punters about what they're drinking or what they'd like to drink? Yeah, 100%. People, consumers, not just in here, I think consumers everywhere want to know more about their drinks. Um, the drinking habits have changed. People aren't just going in. I think the volume has come down. Price point has held. People are actually spending a bit more, but they want to know the story. They want to know how it's made. They want to know if it's been made in a in a, a you know sustainable way. What's been put into it. They want to know. You know, there's there's great information now that is available to everyone to know. Um, so yeah, we and it's 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 not just with wines. People want to know where our, our spirits are coming from, you know, our mixers. We put a lot of effort into into making sure we've got Aussie made good quality mixers as well. If you've got a decent gin list, there's no point in just, you know, spraying tonic out of a gun. You know, that's <laughs> so so we we've put the effort into that. But people are definitely asking, um and people like I mean, people are gonna spend a bit more on a glass of wine. They sort of want to leave with a, a, a little bit of information about it as well. Yeah. Um well, we love if there's a, a producer of any sort in here as well, which there, there often is. Yeah. There'll be a wine producer, there'll be a you know beer brewer hanging out, a distiller, our chicken guy might be at the bar. And we love introducing people. I'm I love saying, that you say that because this. when I was in Vinny, the chicken man was there and the sure, distiller was there. there. Yeah. They absolutely were. Now, I knew I could not stick to time with you because you're very lovely to chat to. Um, just quickly before we finish, I did get a sneak peek at your new basement whiskey bar depot when I was there a few yeah. weeks ago. How are we looking? Yeah. When does that open? When when do we get to wander? Or have I missed it? Is it there? No, we're hoping. It, no, we're still about six weeks away now, we hope. So we, we can do private functions. We have got a function there. We've got two this week, actually. Um, we figured out it's about comfortable for about 40 stand-up. Um, 25 to 30 is probably a bit more of what, what we're kind of getting at the moment in terms of inquiries. 
but it will be open um, at night, Wednesday to Sunday. Uh, down there, we've gone, we've broadened the net a bit when it comes to our whiskey selection. And that was surely because I wanted to put some Irish whiskeys in there. Um, so we've got, we've got, it's a, it's, it's a whiskey focused cocktail bar. It's a section of the building that was never, that wasn't there. We actually dug in. Um, we've named it the depot because the building itself back in the early 1900s was used as one of the first taxi ranks in, in, um, in Melbourne. So whilst the ground floor was still um, a licensed pub up on the first floor in one of the rooms there was a, um, a taxi rank right. an old horse-drawn horse and car taxi rank so we've named it the depot to sort of tip a hat to that it is where we have and i know you saw it it is where we have the grandfather clock that was gifted to us by the adoni brothers the adoni family so they've given us a clock that was in the building when their father purchased it in the 60s here so again we've and they've been they've been in every week since you know they they love the Aww. place they love what we've done they they spent their lives here you know, and we we love the fact that they that they love what we've done, and that we have definitely kept a sort of a bit of that history in that down there as well. So, oh, Finny McGrath, yeah, that's a little hideaway that North Melbourne needs. I think. I think North Melbourne needs a little speakeasy like that. Well, you know, I, I don't think you're going to have anyone argue with you. Vinny McGrath, publican, the man behind the beautiful Central Club Hotel. You honestly have done a beautiful job at giving that place new life but still retaining that charm of the original pub. We will send people to centralclubhotel.com.au to check out that menu and to plan their visit. It's such a good, easy spot there opposite Queen Vic Market. Congratulations and thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Vinny. Stick around. You might have heard about gin pigs, but what about whiskey cows? I will explain next on Relish, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's Easy Music 3MP. This is the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson. Well, Whiskey Week wraps for another year this weekend, but it has given whiskey lovers a chance to taste and learn about some of this country's best and newest offerings and to meet some of the people behind our favourite drops. One whiskey I was keen to learn a little bit more about comes from Tim Boone Distillery. An owner and distiller, Josh Walker, joins me now. Josh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, great to be here. Now, you are, I believe, Tim Boone born and bred. How do you go from growing up in the country, doing a bit of farm contracting to making beautiful single malt whiskey? Yeah, there's a bit bit of a story behind it, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I grew up and went to school here in Tim Boone and um, involved in sport and footy and basketball and, and all that. And, um, yeah, left school at 17 and started my own contracting business. And, yeah, it was basically just going around to farmers and um yeah, planting crops, baling silage and hay and all that sort of thing. And, yeah, we um, grew that business for about seven, eight years and it got to a point where we um, either had to stay in it for the long term and invest heavily and employ a lot of staff or or make a change while we um, had good equity in all our equipment. Mm. And um, me and my wife, Caitlin, um, were travelling through America at the time and, um we knew Tim Boone was for sale actually when we left, but we, we didn't know what we were doing. We just had a three-month backpacking trip planned and ended up on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail in the last month of, of the trip and could see all these distilleries popping up over there. And and as everyone knows, America's always that, you know, 10 or 15 years ahead of the curve or the Australian curve. Mm. Um, and could see a lot of them were actually breweries and they, they diversified and um, went into whiskey making because they had a lot of the equipment already. 
Googled uh, this, how many distilleries are there in Australia and it popped up with 27 and I thought, wow, that's amazing. Um, and I could see that there was only about 10 um, a couple of years prior. So I thought this could be this could be a chance. And, um, yeah, we we had some conversations with the previous owners and um, over Skype we, we traded all our tractors for barrels of whiskey more or less. It's a, yeah, we, we, and then we sailed back uh, two months later and took over and, um, yeah, the rest is history. It's been great. It's Love funny. It. Love making whiskey. It's funny you say that, Josh, because I did it. I've been doing my research and I saw photos of you and I went, gee, it looks young, right? But we're <laughs> saying if you've been distilling on the site since 2007, I literally thought that's got to put you in a very small group of Victorian whiskey makers as well. How do you? How did you get started though? I assume you know there'd be a huge learning curve. And did you have anyone helping you along the way? Yeah. Um- I mean, um, had great support from the industry, uh, and everyone knows Bill Lark in the industry, and he's he's had a, a touch point on just about every distillery now. I think there's over 450 in Australia, but um, so initially Tim and Carolyn Marwood started the distillery um, more as a restaurant than ice cream outlet. So mm. they they make Tim Boone fine ice cream, and Tim's passion was was single malt whiskey. So he decided to put a little still in the corner as well and run it every now and then. He learned off Bill Lark, um, went down to Tassie and bought a couple of barrels off him and got the basics. And then Tim's sort of passed that on to me um, over time. And we had a six-month sort of takeover where Tim would, would uh, do runs with me and show me how to barrel and show me yeah, how to bottle and all that sort of stuff. Um, so he's been great and, and still often now I'll give him a sample and say, hey, what are you doing this? Or, um, yeah, we, he's, we, we still work in close partnership with the ice cream guys and, um, leverage off each other so yeah and then just the, the broader industry um the baker guys the baker boys in, in um, bayswater and, and now kensington mm. they've been a great supporter and just more gentle broadly in the industry i could ring someone and get some get some help um pretty quickly so yeah it was a very very steep learning curve and i made i made my fair share of mistakes initially too so um yeah it's, um it's not sugarcoated but yeah it's it's been great and now i sort of get the chance to um, people come to me and ask for help and advice and it's great I can pass my knowledge on that yeah. I've learned from Bill and Tim. And it's so lovely to hear, I think, as well for whiskey drinkers who want to support sort of local distillers to know that that community exists. For people who haven't tried um, whiskey from Tim Boone Distillery, tell us about the range. What are you making? Because there's a few different types, isn't there? Yeah, so single malt whiskey is what we make in Tim Boone um, and we, we focus a lot on the barrel here at Tim Boone. So we have actually, we've started our own cooperage in the last uh, four years, just before COVID. And we buy in old tawny port barrels. So most of our whiskies at Tim Boone are quite sweet because they're aged in those old tawny port casks. Um, we actually pull all those casks down, shave them out, toast them and then char them really heavily. So there's always this little hint of smoke as well at the end um, of most of our of our whiskies. And we, we because we don't do a big amount, we're quite a small, all distillery in the scheme of things, we can be really selective on those casts that we use and not have to fill a cast because we're filling a hundred of them. We're filling, you know, five or 10 at a time. Um, and that sort of reflects in the quality of, of the product um, going forward. So, um, yeah, our whiskies are generally sweet with a slightly smoky finish. And the one we, we had our smoky 
1881 win an award, a gold medal actually, um, last week or a few weeks ago when the Australian Distilled Spirit Awards, and it has a little bit of peat in it. So it's probably a little bit smokier than our normal lines, but that gives you a bit of a background um, across the four. Mate, so, Josh, you have me at sweet and smoky, literally what I look for that, in a whiskey. Um, Tim yeah, itself yeah. is a, is a beautiful town, obviously. So people can come down to the railway shed there where you guys are and, and try your whiskies. But you you've got a lot of spirits on on hand, don't you? Yeah. So we have a um, a huge back bar of all Aussie spirits. So in COVID, we we were obviously um, we we're making ethanol for the local hospitals here, but we had a chance to do some some redesign in our distillery door, and we ripped out a lot of our. Um, shelving and stuff and opened up this big back bar and we've got over 200 Australian spirits um, on there now and we sell um, all the other Australian distillers spirits by the bottle so people can come and taste a rum from Kununurra or a, a whiskey from Tasmania or um, yeah and we, we um, deliberately try and promote the whole industry and, and try and get that reaction of wow they're all Australian spirits you know they're, we don't have any internationals it's all Australian owned Australian made spirits and yeah it's good to get that reaction that go oh well there actually is a lot of good Australian spirit out there you just got to go and find it um so hopefully over time we grow that percentage up and I love that you say that because I have been to the rum distillery in Kununurra of all the things oh, you can pick out from, from all <laughs> yeah, of Australia you could pick anything out and you went with that one I've got to say it John I've got to say it out loud one of the best looking distillers I've ever seen in my life by the way he's very distracting <laughs> one other thing people can try Josh just because you're not doing enough already if they head down to the railway shed they can also try your whiskey beef what's that about yeah so um so initially when we had our contracting business we would we had our this is our home um, family farm and we would um, cut the silage and hay and sell it to other farmers now um, that we don't have any machinery we um, we grow beef and um, the byproduct of making whiskey is um, barley that has had all the sugar taken out of it to make alcohol but all the protein's still there so we we take that spent barley from our whiskey making process we take it out to our farm and then we blend it into a high energy silage ration and the beefies just go crazy for it. They they absolutely bowl you Like as soon as they hear the tractor start, you <laughs> just see they almost start jumping fences for it. And um, yeah, and we feed that. Um, obviously, their their diet is predominantly grass, but yeah. this is a supplement that. Um, that does it really do anything? A, does it do anything for the flavour oh, or? Oh, de- definitely. So we try and finish the um, the cattle for about the last 120 days on on our Bruckmill farm and that's where we feed, that's where we take all the spent barley and the amount of um, condition they put on in that 120 days compared to just a plain grass diet is amazing. And yeah, the steaks come out with big marbling. Um, and we we do, we have a really good butcher that's um, that supports us really well. And he uses, um, so for some of the sausages and stuff, we do whiskey honey sausages and sort of gourmet lines like that where we, so we can't use all the whiskey from, um, all the barrels, there's little chunks and stuff that we can't put in into a, into a glass. So we take that and give it to the butcher, mm-hmm. and he blends it into different um, lines of of um, sausages and burgers. And um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's a point of difference, and um, people love knowing that it's a closed loop production yeah. circuit. So all our all our waste goes to our farm, and then we grow those beefies out, and those we use those beefies back in our restaurant. So our our kitchen use mainly secondary cuts and do pulled beef um, burgers and 
uh, empanadas and all those, all those different things they do in the kitchen. And, um, and then we sell it out the front to take away as well. And mm. Yeah. People, um, once they understand that we have probably haven't told the story very well up until now, but we need to get it out there and tell people what we do. And yeah, they, they really connect with mm. it. That's, that's great. Mate, you really do sustainable and tasty Josh Walker, co-owner and distiller at Tim Boone distillery. I could chat to you all day. If people want to try Tim Boone's beautiful single malt whiskey, they can head to Tim They can order from the website there or plan their visit down to the gorgeous railway shed right in the forest behind the great ocean road. What a great day trip. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Peace, Kate. Stick around. There's some more to come, of course, in the form of what to eat, drink and do in Melbourne on Relish, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's Easy Music 3MP. The lovers of easy music, it all adds up. DAB Plus is the innovation to your favourite station, Easy Music 3MP, where the music is nearer and clearer in stereo right across Melbourne. There is more 3MP to love by upgrading your radio to DAB Plus. Change the way you listen to 3MP. There is more to love on DAB Plus. Find out more at 3mp.com.au. All right, nearly done, but just enough time left to talk all things Eat, Drink, Do Melbourne. Eat. This spring, Victoria by Farmer's Daughters are again teaming up with local gin legends Four Pillars for a series of spring Sunday sessions. We're talking seasonal shared grazing plates and bottomless Four Pillars cocktails on their fabulous Riverside Terrace Bar. It's priced at 90 bucks per person. That's for a two-hour session. You can book for 11.30 or 2.30. Expect dishes like fried bannock burned chicken or barbecue O'Connor beef skewers with salsa verde while you sip on a sunny honey, a Sunday sunrise or maybe a fizzy pink drink. You will need to book for this one. Check out the What's On page at victoriarestaurant.com.au. Still eating and the guys at the SB are giving us every excuse to head out midweek with one of the best value deals in town with their Wednesday night dumpling degustations at Maya Tiger. Every Wednesday from 5.30, 39 bucks will get you a glass of sparkling an array of seriously fun-sounding house-made dumplings from mushroom-buttered chestnut and truffle to Oraking salmon and caviar, or maybe even Flinders Island crab and beetroot rose dumplings. Something tells me this will be popular, so it's worth heading to myatiger.com.au to reserve your spot. And somewhere else to enjoy a bite, Mooney Pond's own Convoy Cafe have just celebrated their first birthday. That is one year of keeping Mopo locals very, very happy. This 140-seat corner cafe has been serving up fun dishes like a Cobb Lane wintergreens focaccia with crispy Brussels sprouts, grilled zucchini, green sauce, poached egg and fried capers. Something sweeter like sweet potato pancakes with cinnamon caramel, cream cheese icing, orange zest and cinnamon crunch. You can see the full menu at convoymooneyponds.com.au. And drink? Well, as you can probably tell, I do like my whiskey. And if you do too, Botswana Butchery is teaming up with Japan's Nikka Whiskey for a pretty special dinner on Wednesday the 6th of September. Known for its meat dishes, Botswana's chefs will be preparing four very special Wagyu dishes that will be paired with four Nikka-based cocktails. Exec chef Angel Fernandez will be on hand to talk through them all, along with Nikka ambassador Marcus Parmenta. You can head to the What's On page at melbourne.botswanabutchery.com.au for a little more information.
And finally, do, well, do consider a little PT. St Kilda's Little Prince Wine Bar has just launched their take on personal training. Personal wine training, that is. We're talking five weekly 45-minute sessions that aim to give you the basics to talk about and enjoy wine, from an initial wine fitness test, I guess you'd call it like a liquid beep test, to physical therapy, learning about all things bubbly, prescription meds, we're talking Spanish and Italian reds, and lots more. It does sound like a lot of fun and something you can tell people is just further education. Head to the What's On page at theprince.com.au to sign up. Whew, and that is it. That's all for this episode. Don't forget you can email anytime, relish at 3mp.com.au. But this has been the Relish Podcast, celebrating the best in food, wine and travel for Melbourne's easy music, 3MP. You've been listening to the Relish Podcast with Kate Stevenson. 